Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Synergy Cast. I'm your host, Sonia Joffer, and I am super excited for you all to listen to today's episode. I am so excited to introduce you all to one of my really good friends, Tierra Bracey. And I'm just super psyched for this episode, y'all. Like, I really love talking about self-care. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I just feel like it's really relevant, too, with everything going on in today's society. Self-care is even more relevant than it was before, but it was always relevant. So in today's episode, Tierra and I discuss self-awareness and what that means to her, what self-care looks like for her, how it goes hand-in-hand with feminism and mental health. We talk about boundaries, the importance of doing nothing and being at peace with being alone, and so much more. Tierra also discusses her experiences and thoughts regarding mental health and self-care in the Black community and how her culture plays a role in her practice of self-care. So I want to thank Tierra for her time and her insight on this on coming on here and spending time and talking about this topic that is very near and dear to both of us. So thank you to Tierra and if you want to check out her and follow along with her you can follow her instagram at tiara underscore 95 and i'll put that in the episode notes as well so please go check her out show her some support show her some love she has some great content y'all will not be disappointed um so yeah without further ado i will go ahead and play our conversation hope you enjoy So yeah, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on. Yeah. Um, So I just wanted to start off by just like getting a little introduction from you. If you just want to like say a few sentences about like your background and just uh, tell the listeners, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, uh, definitely. So um, I would probably describe myself as being passionate and analytical. Most of the jobs I've had and activities I partake in um, require me to be observant to detail, uh, whether it's been art, as you know, I like to draw, and I've recently gotten into painting, um, and many of the jobs I've had. I'm a pretty blunt and upfront individual. I like to take a methodical approach to life at times, um, and as of late, I've been making little efforts to care for myself, so I'm super excited to talk about this subject. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely like one of the many things I love about you is that you are so like blunt and upfront. That's like something that like I really value in people. And definitely I'm really excited to have this conversation too, because I feel like self-care is just, it's like, it's always very relevant, but especially with like everything going on now, I feel like maybe it's even more relevant now than before. So. Yeah, I agree. There's so much going on right now. Exactly. I think taking care of yourself definitely is like a priority for sure. Definitely, definitely. So I know um, you mentioned a lot about like how self-awareness and self-acknowledgement is like something that you really value and something mm-hmm. that's really important to you. So if we could just start off with just talking about what is self-awareness and how do you define that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would just find self-awareness to be um, being conscious 
of your thoughts and your actions and your feelings, um, being able to really understand the simplicities of your nature and also the complexities of your characteristics. Uh, that would be my personal definition of self-awareness. Yeah, definitely. And then, so what does self-awareness look like to you? You kind of already mentioned some things, but if you want to add anything else on top of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think self-awareness can look like a number of things. I would probably encourage people to view it as a muscle, um, something that you need to exercise. It's not really something that we are inherently blessed with. This is something that I think you have to work on and you have to practice. And um, some of the ways I think you can help yourself to be more self-aware and to practice that, um, you could do things like journaling. That always helps you to reflect on your experience and your feelings within that moment, um, meditating, creating. You can also seek guidance and counselors, like even ask a friend, because sometimes like my friends will straight up tell me things about myself that I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was an impatient, impatient bitch. Thank you so much for letting me know. Like, <laughs> so sometimes leaning towards friends or just paying attention to, you know, things that bother you or things that make you happy. Um, one of my favorite things to do, which I talked to you a little about, was record myself. Mm. So if I'm having a day and it's just like too much going on and I think like, you know, my impatience kicks in and I'm like, I can't sit here and type and write all this down. I just want to say it and I want to get it out the way. I'll turn on my camera and uh, record myself and talk about my feelings and I'll play it back to myself. And when you play it back, I would, you know, encourage people to pay attention to your body language, what you're saying, your facial expressions, because typically when you speak to people, those are things you can observe um, that you typically don't really get to observe amongst yourself. Um, this kind of gives you the ability to see yourself out of that first person point of view and view yourself through the lens of like the spectator. And um, last but not least, reading because a lot of authors are very analytical and view the world in such a detailed way that I think they can teach you to pay attention and by observing the world around you, you'll be able to look at yourself and observe your own thoughts and motives. Right, yeah, and thank you so much for that answer. It's, I think there's a lot of helpful things that you mentioned in there. Like, I really like how you point out the fact that self-awareness is a muscle. It's not something that comes easy because I mean, if it if it was, then I feel like everybody would be walking around being self-aware. But you know, the way that we see with the state of the world right now, that's definitely not the case. So mm -hmm. I really like how you mentioned that, and like, thank you for mentioning some things that really help you out too. And I think all those things are like really great ways to help practice and exercise that muscle. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Yeah, and um, you kind of already answered this, but if you have anything else to add, or if not, that's fine. But what helps you be more self-aware or practice self-awareness? Um, honestly, what helped me be more self-aware was probably like having emotional breakdowns. <laughs> like, I am not the type of person who just like opens up and talks about my feelings to people. And this is something that like I wasn't aware of. And I think when I would have like those sort of like emotional breakdowns, it would cause me to have to like look within and realize like it's something deeper going on. Um, like I've always been a creator. I've always, you know, whether it was I liked writing music, playing piano. Recently I've been into drawing and painting a lot more, but I've always been creative. And I don't think 
as a kid, I realized I like needed those outlets. And it wasn't until I got older that I would sometimes have those emotional breakdowns that I was like, oh, like I don't like expressing myself to people. So I have to find a healthy way to get it out. Um, so being aware of myself was not something that came easy to me or lightly at all. Like it was honestly something that was very hard for me, but I am glad that I've learned to be more self-aware. Yeah, definitely. I want to echo that. It's very difficult, you know, because you basically have to sit there and swallow a bunch of tough pills about mm -hmm. yourself that are, you know, they're very hard to swallow sometimes because nobody really likes hearing or thinking about all the things that they need to work on, you know. So I think to be able to have the self-awareness, to have that open mind, that that takes a lot, you know. And, and at the end of the day, it does help your growth. You're right, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I do think it can be difficult to look at yourself sometimes. Like, sometimes you don't do it because you're not thinking about it, but other times it's just, like, difficult. So you may avoid it and not even be aware that that's what you're doing. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, exactly. And um, I know you also have, like, a background in philosophy. I know you that was your major in undergrad. So I'm interested in hearing how your background in philosophy contributes to your understanding of self-awareness. Yeah, definitely. Um, so philosophy is about thinking and questioning, and I'm an overthinker. <laughs> so, you know, when it was a major basically about overthinking, I'm like, okay, that's all me. But I think um, there were a lot of great philosophers that sort of um, had a lot of different ideologies to help to connect um, with being more self-aware. One that I would like to pinpoint is Socrates. Two things that he's very famous um, for stating is you should know thyself and also that an unexamined life is not worth living. Um, and there is the theory of introspection and this is connected to the platonic theory of remnants. So according to Socrates, everyone has that inherent knowledge and wisdom um, is learning to recollect. So knowledge of oneself is achieved through the Socratic method. And this is a dialogue between yourself and your soul. Um, there's also the saying, I know one thing and that's that I know nothing at all. And I think that's something you should live by constantly um, because learning about yourself and growing that's a constant thing in life you're always going to learn you're always going to grow you're always going to change so you should never just assume that you know yourself or that you're aware of yourself because um, you're never going to want the same things in life you go through um, certain experiences and um, i've realized that life has its own hands and those hands of life they will take their turn and time and sculpting you into who you are so those experiences and emotions and thoughts that we do develop through undergoing those encounters or occurrences in life that plays a big role in making us who we are so by analyzing those situations and events they make us how they make us feel or what they make us think or how those experiences may have changed our train of thought we learn to be more introspective and you become more of a philosopher of self so I think my background in philosophy helped me to realize the importance of questioning and analyzing the world around me. And by doing that, I was able to really analyze the world within myself as well. And I know that self-awareness is essential. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. Exactly. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all that. Because honestly, like personally, I only had to take like two classes in philosophy. So I like don't remember much about that at all, just very basic stuff. But 
it's very true that like even our background what we study in school has a huge impact on our perspectives too in life and a lot of people yeah. like feel like oh i'm never going to use what i studied in school and i definitely am guilty of that too like definitely in my philosophy classes i remember thinking like when am i going to use this you know but <laughs> it's, it's very true like now that i've graduated from undergrad you know i've like realized that the stuff that i did learn in school had so much impact on my perspectives in life too so yeah, that's definitely really interesting to hear all that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I do agree. I do think when you're in school, nine times out of 10, you're like, I can't use this shit. <laughs> like, but yeah. it does, sometimes it is, it can be very useful later in life in different ways. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So now we can transition to kind of like talking about self-care. So mm -hmm. um, we can kind of talk about how, like if you want to mention how self-awareness and self-care kind of go hand in hand for you. Yeah, um, so I think that in order to be like able to take care of yourself, you first have to be aware of like yourself and who you are. And then I think you can take more steps once you're able to like acknowledge what it is that you need um, care in. Because there are different aspects of life that you may need a little bit more um, help in than others. But I think once you become aware of that, you can start taking better care of yourself. Yeah, definitely. I, I hear that 100%. And um, I'm interested in hearing why is self-care important to you? So I think self-care is important um, because it allows you to have an open and honest relationship with yourself. Self-care helps you to enhance your life and boost your mood, which in return would help you to have more healthy and productive relationships with others as well. Yeah, definitely. And I know that like we've talked a lot about in the past about how like we aren't really taught in school like what yes. self-care is. We kind of had to like, we both kind of relate in the sense where we had to seek out that knowledge for ourselves. So I'm interested in learning how did you learn about self-care? Yeah, so um, definitely didn't learn it at school and unfortunately we didn't really learn it at home either. Um, I think I had two different ways in which self-care was presented to me. Um, initially, I think self-care was something I saw on TV as something you worked for, you earned it, whether it be like a massage, a spa day, like going on a vacation, like the occasional way of treating yourself to a deluxe life. So self-care to me at the time growing up, it wasn't a regular Thing. It wasn't something you did on a regular basis. It was a way to like treat yourself or reward yourself for something that you did. Um, but later, as I learned, you know, through my little mini meltdowns, <laughs> that uh, I was kind of like had to teach myself certain things about self care uh, that I wasn't, that I didn't learn, or I'm sorry, that I wasn't taught. Um, I think I saw the people around me and I didn't see any of them really utilizing self-care in their everyday lives either. Um, and I realized I needed to be more aware of myself and be able to uh, be aware of the things that helps me take care of myself. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like, that's really, that's really true. And it's real that we don't only learn from school. We also learn from the adults in our lives, especially when we're young and we're really impressionable yeah. at that age period. You know, like we also, we learned in school, but we also learn from just watching the way 
people move about us and how they treat themselves. And that's a lot how that's how we learn how to grow up and then treat ourselves, you know, so that's a very real point that I appreciate you bringing up that and this can go into our next question, why isn't self-care taught? And I think you hit the nail on the head with that too, is that, you know, a lot of times we don't see the people around us even practicing that. So um, yeah, if you have anything else to add about like why you think it isn't taught. Yeah, like um, I definitely think the people around you can play a role in that. Um, but I also think sometimes too, just general societal standpoints, mm-hmm being able to uh, care for oneself isn't something that's really seen as valuable. Like in America, we value hard work. So, you know, I hear a lot of successful people that'll be like, oh, I'll sleep when I die. Like (laughs) hard work is is valued. And self-care is viewed as being like lazy or selfish. And we don't really value self-care in our society. So we don't take the time to teach it. Right. Yeah, that's that's very true. How do you think like we can encourage self-care more like to be taught more to be talked about more? Um, I think honestly, utilizing platforms like yours, like that's honestly why I love that you do your podcast. Like I think having these sort of platforms helps to bring awareness to it. Um, And also to doing self-care yourself can also help to bring more awareness because people will look at you and they will see like there's always going to be a difference between someone who cares for themselves and someone who doesn't and I think people will be able to see that and you can explain to them what it is that you do what steps that you take to help take care of yourself and um also that can be beneficial to the adults who saw you growing up like sometimes I'll talk to my mom and she'll tell me certain things that she's like, when I was your age, I wasn't doing this or I didn't, you know, like there's certain things in life she didn't get to do that she'll see me do. And in a way you can kind of teach them that as well. Yeah. That's, that's so beautiful to me. How, cause I feel like it's a common miscon- misconception that, you know, the older individuals and the adults are the ones that are the mentors or the ones that can be the only ones that teach the younger generation stuff. But I think that's a really beautiful thing that you point out that, you know, like we can all learn from each other. And a lot of things that we were able to do, like, you know, learn about self-care and stuff, just like speaking from my own personal experience, my mom and my parents never had that privilege of even thinking about self-care because they were always so in the mindset of like, you know, how are we going to survive, you know? So like self-care wasn't even... wasn't even anywhere near what what they could worry about so I think now that like I have that privilege you know to to talk about these things and that's why I like how you bring that up because then we can kind of spread that to the older generations as well that maybe never had that chance that we do yeah exactly because that definitely wasn't a privilege that they were um that they were given the opportunity to have because I do think it was especially like your parents I know they were immigrants and it's like you come to the country, so you just have to build. Like your main focus is trying to like build your stance in America. So you don't really take time to think about self-care. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And um, I know like here on the podcast, we kind of, we, we talk about everything, but we do have like a specializing in mental health. So how mm. do you feel like self-care and men- mental health go hand in hand together? Yeah. Um, So I think if you don't practice self-care, you're more likely to be running on empty um, if you don't really take that time to yourself. 
again, I think mental health is also a muscle that you have to work on. Otherwise, you're going to be crashing and burning consistently and you'll see a lot of um, inaccuracies in your mental health. And so I think it's important to take care of yourself um, because you don't want to risk that or take that chance of burning out. Um, and to just be aware of yourself and to concentrate on yourself as well. Yeah, exactly. I think like burning out was, is like a key thing. Cause like a lot of times, like, like you mentioned with the society, it's kind of like the hustle quote unquote is what's like seen as like the ideal, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But then to take a step back and to be able to restore your energy too, that prevents you from, like you said, like burning out. And that actually helps you be more efficient in your hustle. So yeah. yeah, I really, I really appreciate you bringing that up. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you spoke on this a little bit already, but why do you think self-care is so hard or difficult or maybe like in your personal experience, what are some hardships or challenges that you faced uh, if you are comfortable sharing in your journey and learning about self-care? Yeah. So I think self-care probably was difficult for me because I didn't know about it really like I wasn't taught it so I didn't think to prioritize it um honestly I think I am like the greatest example of burnouts like I definitely will run myself into the ground and then have such little energy to get anything done or like will be in a grumpy mood and I can't be around people all of a sudden because I will burn myself out like um I guess one of the best examples of this was uh, last year I was working two jobs and I literally only had like one day off but other than that I would be working like days like hours and hours all week I was always working and I kind of do it because it helps with my anxiety to kind of stay on the go but in the end I wound up being very burnt out and um, as you already know I had a lot of uh, health problems that kind of came from that as well so mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely had to learn <laughs> the hard way uh, and so it is difficult because I don't think it's something that I was knowledgeable about though. Right. Yeah. And then that's where that self-awareness piece comes in again, that you mentioned before that like you didn't know about it, but then you had that self-awareness afterwards to kind right. of take a step back and like evaluate, okay, what's going on here? How can I do better? You know, how can I be better at like incorporating self-care and taking care of myself? And like, I remember that, like, I remember like last year, I think you came over one time and you were like, we, we were just like casually talking and you were just like telling me about your like daily schedule and stuff. And I was just like, dude, like I'm getting anxiety just hearing about <laughs> your schedules. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely remember that for sure. Yeah, and I feel like I didn't even get to um, hang out with you guys and like enjoy as much time with my friends as I as I would have wanted to because I was like I'm always on go now all of a sudden. So yeah, yeah, hard times. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, I think like when I when I personally think of self care, I automatically think of how self care is a part of feminism as well. Um, especially being someone that identifies as female, identifies as a woman we're constantly taught growing up as women that we need to take care of others. We need to be selfless. We need to always put our needs aside to make space for others. And I think of this Audre Lorde quote that caring for myself is not self-indulgence. 
it's actually self-preservation and that is an act of political warfare. So I, I think of this quote because I think of as a woman myself, practicing self-care is an act of resistance in and of itself because I'm resisting that very notion that I was taught growing up that I need to be selfless all the time. And in taking care of myself, I'm actively resisting that too. Yes. Yes, I 100% agree. I do think it is a form of resistance, you know, which is strange because you would think that it would be like a normalized thing. But as women, we are taught to put other people in front of us and to sacrifice our dreams and our hopes for um, our families, or our partners. And I also think sometimes as women, we are ta taught to take on the responsibility of our male counterparts, um, whether it be from like a really young age when you're a little girl in class and, you know, the teacher tells you you can't wear your skirt a certain length because then the boys will go crazy like it puts this responsibility on you and if you don't really know how to handle that especially as a young child um you don't really know how to take care of yourself and you start to get these kind of like negative feelings towards yourself that's why it's almost like a lot of women view themselves as just having a vagina as a sin like yeah. you don't see yourself as an everyday um person it's like not normal or something to just take care of yourself exactly um, so yeah i think yeah i think that was like a really great quote and um yeah yeah definitely and if you if you're comfortable sharing um any of your own personal experiences of how you kind of had to unlearn the the common misconception that self-care is selfish oh my god i feel like <laughs> i've had so many experiences where i've had to learn that self-care isn't uh selfish um my older sister is a very strong-willed person. Um, and I think she is a person who always reminds me to take care of myself and to not put everyone ahead of me all the time. She definitely defies the rules and defies gravities, like everything she does. Um, and I think I was able to look at her and learn a lot from her because I am, I'm a very giving person to like people I care about. And um, especially when it comes to like my friends and my family, like they mean so much to me. So I want to go out of my way for them a lot. Mm. And I would, again, find myself in moments where I would be burnt out. And my sister would always pull me aside and she might not say it in the nicest way. <laughs> she might not say it, you know, with a smile on her face. And she would be like, stop putting people in front of you and put yourself, you know, put yourself first. And those people who really like value you and care about you, they will be happy that you took care of yourself. And if they're not happy that you took care of yourself, then you need to reevaluate who you really call your loved ones. And it's difficult with me because I think it's, you know, again, it's people that I'm very close to that I've had to be like, you know, let me take care of myself and kind of have to put you on a back burner. But I think I learned a lot from having like my older sister, honestly, I think things would be a lot more difficult for me if I didn't have her in my corner to tell me about myself, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a really good point because although the word self-care has the word self in it, and it does involve a lot of stuff that you have to do for yourself or by yourself, I think it's also really important to recognize what you just mentioned too, that sometimes we can't do things on our own, you know, like sometimes we do need help from the people in our lives that care about us, that we trust to kind of hold us accountable when they see us not taking care of ourselves. So I really like the point that you bring up that, you know, sometimes 
you, you, it's okay to reach out to like people in your life or to have help from people in your life as well to kind of like check you on that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know we also talked a lot about boundaries too, which is like one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I love talking about boundaries. They're like probably one of my favorite things. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm interested to hear from you about how do you think boundaries can be a form of self-care? Yeah, um, I love this question. Uh, <laughs> I think this is one of your, one of the greatest questions we have here. Um, because this is something that I think you can also feel selfish with, um, with setting boundaries. Uh, we set boundaries to let people know what it is that they can do and what they can't do. Um, what is okay with you and what is not okay with you. You are caring for yourself by creating a guideline that helps to establish how people are able to behave around you and in doing this you ensure a relationship that is mutually respectful for you and that individual who's involved so for me personally with setting boundaries it was probably the most difficult when it did come to family um some of the ways i was taught of love or how to care for people was to put family first and myself second and I don't think that my family was trying to teach me these values like intentionally. I think this was just something I observed the people around me doing as well. And that's how they move. And so that impacted me. Um, and I'm naturally inclined to go out of my way for people I care for. And sometimes people sort of start to expect you to go out of your way for them and to put yourself on a back burner. And after a while, I think that can it can drain you, but it can also cause you to become like resentful of them in a way because you start to feel like they're not noticing you or when you're breaking down that you always have to constantly pick yourself up and everybody else up. So I had to start setting up these boundaries and set a tone to let people know where they stand with me, but more importantly, where I stand with myself. Um, I know there's a quote that I love in the um, book, Perks of Being a Wildflower, and he says, accept the love that we think we deserve mm -hmm. and I think the boundaries that you set with people is a reflection of how you see yourself how you love yourself and how you take care of yourself so I think boundaries is an extremely important part of self-care yeah that was like such a beautiful quote like every time I hear that quote you know like the first time I read that book and watched that movie like it's like you know when you like hear a quote and you're like this is this is gonna change my life you know yes. it's gonna stick with me and I definitely feel like that was one of those quotes so I really like I love how you brought that up and yeah it's just like just makes me so happy to hear that because it's true like you know like what we the boundaries we set out that's a form of loving ourselves and and when people that we are close in our lives, when they respect those boundaries, that's a form of love too, that they show that they love us and hear us and um, yeah, and like appreciate us and like are willing to do what's necessary to have our needs met too. Yeah, because um, I definitely think there were times uh, that I would uh, experience have like negative experiences with people and I would have to sit myself down and be like why did you let them say that to you or like why did you let them act that way around you and I'm the type of person where like 
I will check you and I wish a bitch would try and come at anybody I care for. Like I would very happily tell you to sit the fuck down and get back in your place. But it was like, when it came to myself, sometimes I would kind of allow you to talk how you wanted to talk or do what you want to do. And I really realized like, why would you let somebody treat you that way? But you wouldn't let someone treat your sister like that or your mother like that. Like you need to love and care for yourself the same way you love and care for them as well. So yeah, I definitely agree on that one. Wow. I, I love that. Like that just like hit me a little different. So <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> sitting with that right now. Cause that is so true that like we constantly will bend over backwards to make other people feel like loved and respected and heard. But then when it comes to ourselves, we put ourselves like on the back burner. We let ourselves take a back seat. And in doing that, we don't realize that that makes us less able to be there for other people too. So I think uh, that's just, I love, I love how you shared that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. And also I know um, when we were discussing about like planning for this episode and what we wanted to talk about, um, you had mentioned something to me that I didn't even think about, but, I see now is a really good point and plays a huge role in this is how you mentioned that how your culture and your race plays a role in your self-care too. So I'm interested in hearing if you want to share some of your personal experiences with that as well. Mm -hmm, Of course. Um, So I think I view self-care in the Black community to look a little different the same way I view feminism in the Black community to look different as I know a lot of like, um, a lot of my African-American female friends sometimes will refer to themselves as womanist instead of feminist because they don't really feel like they were included in that. Mm. But I think as black people, since the beginning of time that we've been here, we've always had like a target on our back, whether it is honestly from other people and from our own people as well. We always have to like prevail. You have to prevail through slavery, through Jim Crow, through police brutality, through war on drugs. I mean, they play games with us and we constantly get gaslight and we have to try and create and fight for change. Otherwise there would be no peace for us. And we could have gone extinct if it wasn't for black strength. And we're always so strong that we don't talk about our feelings that sometimes make us feel weak or that make us feel vulnerable. Um, Mental health is something that we definitely lack on quite often as we typically do lack, um, proper access to mental health care um, in a lot of predominantly Black communities. And the therapists that we do see typically don't look like us, which can also have um, a huge impact on us as well. Um, So we typically just rely on that strength, on that quote-unquote Black strength as a clutch. And as a result of that clutch, it typically ends up hindering us in a way because this strength that we've been taught and that we've observed growing up, it's blinded us from being able to acknowledge that we need help and um, that we need self-care. I think that the United States has abused us mentally, physically, emotionally, verbally, spiritually. We become socially abused, systematically abused, and a lot of these things are not even acknowledged. And even worse, some of the racial issues that we do face in America become like delusionally romanticized. Uh, It's crazy because like (laughs) randomly the other night, my aunt sent me this article on the New York Times 
and it was called um you want a confederate monument my body is a confederate monument because you know they were discussing getting rid of rid of some of those monuments in the south and um she showcased herself as a monument of the south seeing that she is a descendant of both slave owners and slaves and she was able to touch on the duplicity of the monuments in the south with her being the monument of the reality of the racial issues versus the racially insensitive monuments that they romanticize um, that they use to romanticize the trauma that black people face in the south and this kind of helps white people to live in their delusional worlds where they can kind of sit back and say well you know racism doesn't exist or i'm not a part of like any sort of systematic oppressions and this in turn really like harms black people because this adds to mental health issues we already face it's almost like someone can beat you and abuse you but then when you turn around and tell them i'm hurting or i have these problems they look at you and tell you it's not real and it makes you feel crazy and i feel like america is definitely responsible for gaslighting a lot of african-americans um and there's become such a mental um, health stigma in the black community we're not taught to go to therapy um that is something that is viewed as the path that white people take even though we out of anybody probably need it the most we probably need healing the most for decades and unfortunately even things that i've seen kind of um i guess i would say advertised towards encouraging people to do therapy it's typically kind of whitewashed so it's not really something that i can connect with um another thing i was uh kind of thinking of which like hold me accountable if I go a little bit into like a wormhole but I was like up super (laughs) I was up super late late last night and I was reading this book called The Bluest Eyes by Toni Morrison Mm -hmm. and she talks about this kid like this uh, young black girl gets a doll from her family and it's a white doll it's a Shirley Temple doll it's like 1940s and she says how when everyone gets this doll, they're so happy or they look at it as so beautiful and people perceive it as precious. And she says, no one perceives me as precious. And like, I don't understand why. And so like, as a kid, she's very curious, but she's naive and she's trying to figure out the what was so beautiful and wonderful about this doll that she doesn't even like, but she wants to know why other people like it. And she winds up tearing the doll apart, but it's almost like she has this thing with the doll where she hated it and this hate for the doll didn't transfer to hate for white women but as a kid she didn't understand why she had this sort of like deep-rooted hate for white women and whiteness and she started to feel guilty so what she did was she had this kind of like false sense of love for white people and she took on whiteness and began to you know fall in love with white culture and becoming whitewashed and i just thought that that was a very deep analyst of or observation, I guess I would say, of how some Black kids in America probably feel with not seeing themselves on TV or not seeing themselves in a doll or like seeing these things around and continuously being told that like, this is what's beautiful, this is what's pure, this is what's right. And like, as a kid, you don't have the mental capacity to understand systematic racism or environmental racism. You just know that you're angry and you're trying to find a way to cope with it. And so this is how the character in that book um, tried to find a way to cope with that guilt that she felt for honestly hating white women. Um, and I just thought it was very interesting because it really just made me think even back to my childhood and like seeing L'Oreal or not L'Oreal commercials, but like um, Pantene commercials and things on TV with white models and, you know, the long straight hair and 
kind of like the effects that it had on me growing up as well. Um, and I just thought that that was kind of interesting how those things can play like a mental, like play a role in your mental health that you you don't understand it yet. You're still a child and it's kind of molding and sculpting you as you're getting older. And um, so, yeah, I just, I thought that was really interesting when I was reading the book. And um, as of late though, I do, I see mental health stigma becoming dismantled within the black community, especially with the youth. And I think it's important that we embrace ourselves and we find our own regimens of self-care. Um, like in Insecure, when they do self-care Sundays, like I think that's great to like put that out there on a black show where like, you know, people can view in and sometimes maybe it'll make them think like, okay, maybe I can try like a self-care Sunday or like, um, I was telling you with my sister, she always like braids her hair or wears her hair in twist and when she's braiding her hair, it's always, it's like therapeutic because, you know, every girl knows when you braid your own hair, you got to like, you know, it's going to be 12, 14 hours. So you got to get your snacks. You got to know what TV shows and what movies you're going to binge. Like, you know, you got to get your hair, everything all together. And it's like in the process of doing it, you might not be thinking too much, which I think helps make it therapeutic. And then afterwards, you might feel like accomplished, you know, and you're looking good. So that's always nice. But <laughs> so I think there are different things in Black culture that we do do and can do a little separate um, of our own that would be able to help more um, indulging and delighting in your Blackness as a way to take care of your Blackness. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And I think that's like, that's all just some, some really good insight, you know, like with your own personal experiences and stuff and bringing up some really like key important points that I feel like are just like kind of circles back to what we were talking about before is just, it's just not talked about, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the very fact that we are sitting here and talking about these things, I feel like is very, is very empowering, you know, and um, kind of circling back to how self-care can be an act of resistance as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing you mentioned about like the multi-generational trauma of mental health, you know, um, in the black community, I feel like could be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it could be that act of resistance too, that yeah. when you are engaging in self-care, yes, you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it to honor the multi-generational, you know, ancestors that came before that never had that opportunity too. Yes, like 100% correct, because sometimes, like, when I was younger, I remember I would complain about, like, reading or something, and my grandma would correct me, and she would be like, you know, slaves couldn't read or da-da-da-da, and I'm a kid, I'd be like, I don't care, <laughs> I don't want to read, but it's like, as I get older, I think about those things sometimes, like, even when I have my self-care days, and I'm just like, you were never granted this opportunity, like, never in your wildest dreams could you have even imagined having been able to have the ability to have a self-care Sunday, like, so yes, that's definitely something like I'll take my ancestors under consideration when I do do things like that. Like, yeah, so that that was a good, um, that was a good observation. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. And thank you again for sharing all this. Like, I think it's very good insight. And it's very valuable. And I really appreciate you like taking the time to like share um, about your own personal experiences and stuff too. Um, that I feel like a lot of people like myself included and a lot of listeners as well that listen with this podcast may not have that insight because we haven't had those same lived experiences as you have. So 
yeah, so I just want to thank you for like sharing that. Of course, thank you for giving me a platform to speak on it. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I think we, I remember us also discussing a lot about, like you had mentioned how like your system can just be so overloaded just with our like day to day lives with that hustle that we're always trying to do. And so I remember you mentioning that doing nothing is also very important to you. So um, what does doing nothing look like for you? So doing nothing, honestly, doing nothing used to look like torture to me. Like anyone who knows me knows I like to be out and about. I hate sitting at home. Like I'm not a social person. I'm very introverted and antisocial, but I still like to go out and just enjoy the day, whether it's going to my local coffee shop, going out to the movies, going shopping a little bit. Like I like to get out the house and do something and keep it moving. Like which is another one of the reasons why I worked two jobs. So <laughs> I definitely like to be on the go all the time. And um, as you know, I went through a lot of like health problems in the beginning of this year that literally forced me to have to sit down. And I will just never forget, I called my best friend and I was like frantic on the phone because I was like, oh my God, I haven't been working like two weeks. What am I going to do? Da, 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 da. And like typically, if you're freaking out because you can't go to work, you're freaking out because of financial issues, which is completely understandable. Mm -hmm. But honestly, that is not why I was freaking out. I was freaking out because I wasn't doing anything. And it just kind of made me feel useless. And I just remember my best friend, Mary, was on the phone and she was laughing and she was just like, bitch, shut up and sit down. Like, God, why are you always trying to move? And I'm like, what? Like, you know, so one of those moments where my friend had to check me and be like, it's okay. Like, for goodness sake, you're sick. Like, you can't, you can't do everything. Like, just sit down and do nothing. And so um, I think I really had to kind of start to embrace doing nothing because I was forced to do that, as I know many people are right now kind of forced to do nothing with quarantine, things going on. Um, but in the midst of me, you know, not really doing anything, I watched a movie called Eat, Pray, Love. And I'll never forget, she's like sitting in the shop and she's talking to the Italians. And she's like, oh, I feel so guilty for doing nothing. I haven't done anything special. And one of them told her, I, and I, I don't want to mess this up because I don't speak Italian, but uh, one of them said, Dolce for niente. And she's like, what does that mean? And they basically say that Americans, we work like very hard and we get burnt out we don't know how to just like enjoy pleasure. We think we don't deserve it. And that we feel bad um, for having certain delights in life. And this is really true. Like we get used to like complexities and we feel guilty for enjoying simple pleasures of nothingness. So um, as of late, doing nothing starts to look more like the biggest form of self-assurance for me. Um, especially like with quarantine as well, because no one's at fault. Um, we didn't cause this, you know, like we were really forced to have to do nothing. And I think not working my finger to the bones let me know that it is okay to just relax sometimes. And it doesn't make you useless and you shouldn't feel guilty if you're not out there burning yourself out. So I think now to me, self um, doing nothing feels more like assurance than anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think I definitely hear that when you say like, we can be so critical of ourselves sometimes too. Like when we just sit still and do nothing, it can, 
it can like we can get so critical of ourselves like oh there's something wrong with this you know mm-hmm. um but i think that's a really good point that sometimes doing nothing is everything you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm really interested to also hear from you what does it feel like for you when you you, you spoke on this a little bit but like if you have anything to add what does it feel like to do nothing i think doing nothing went from feeling like anxiety to feeling like an exhale like you know how you get done you might get done writing a paper and you're like whew it's like i finally i I did that i've done it correctly i know i've done a job well uh, a job well done i think now it feels more like that to me um or doing nothing can be so mind clearing and made meditative that it helps me to like recenter and recharge myself so i'm more balanced and more um, equipped to go about dealing with daily activities than I would be if I just continued to try and keep it moving and keep it pushing and constantly be burning myself out. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of like feels like that breath of fresh air, that like relaxation, that feeling of being at peace um, in, in your stillness and stuff. Right. Like, I think doing nothing teaches you like you're inherently important. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be, uh, you know, having a thousand and one likes on social media in order to be happy. Just being you is enough. And once you see yourself as inherently valuable, you take care of what you see as valuable. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's such an amazing point. Like a lot of times I feel like people, especially in like Western culture, attach a lot of self-value to how much they're getting done and Mm -hmm. I think that's something really important that you brought up that sometimes doing nothing can show you that your self-worth isn't conditional you know it's it's not conditioned to okay I'm only worthy if I'm doing work or getting stuff done you know it shows you that I'm still worthy when I'm not getting stuff done as well I really like that point yeah, definitely agree. And like, I definitely think with our, um, with our society that we live in today, it's, it's a very social media based society sometimes too. And I think it's easy to kind of look at others and what they're doing and you get that like FOMO feeling like you're not doing enough. Yeah. And um, sometimes too, that just becomes a lot because sometimes I'll have to take those social media breaks because I'm like scrolling on Instagram too much. Like I'm just taking in too much information and I haven't done anything in that day, but I just started feeling burnt out. So we definitely live in like a society where we almost can have like information overload and we just got to take a moment to ease those thoughts and really indulge in nothing. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's very true and very real, especially with like how we're kind of grown up in this age where social media is such a prominent thing and it can be such a beautiful thing, but can also be very damaging as well. So I think that's very important to talk about. Um, And you kind of spoke on this already, but like, if you have anything to add, how can doing nothing also be a form of self-care? I think doing nothing can be such a great form of self-care because it really forces you to have to look at yourself. I think it's easy to bury yourself under work or um, to bury yourself under people when you're around them. You might not do it intentionally, but I think being alone with yourself and kind of being alone with your thoughts it makes you have to face those thoughts and um, it allows you to also get to know yourself just a lot better than um, you probably would have been able to get to know yourself had you been in a crowded room full of people where it's loud and there's just like so much going on. 
it really gives you that opportunity to sit face to face with yourself in that nothingness sometimes. Right. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of like being alone and sitting with yourself, um, I know you've mentioned to me before how being finding peace with being alone is something that was really important to you and valuable to you. So um, just like, you know, being by yourself and, and doing nothing with just yourself. So what does being alone look like for you? I think being alone looks like self-stability because I grew up, you know, around like a lot of my siblings and things and I've always had family and people around me and it wasn't until like I went to college and um, I lost one of the friends I was really close with. It was like the first time I really was forced to have to be alone. And that was the first time in my life where I started to feel lonely. And um, that's why I always advocate for like the importance of finding peace in being alone instead of feeling like you're lonely. Because um, when you get those lonely feelings, sometimes you can move into such a negative spot. And sometimes you'll find yourself opening up and allowing negative people and their bad energies around you because you just want like that interaction with people. And so that's also, too, one of the reasons why, like, I really advocate for being alone, because it really helps to preserve you. It's really um, kind of going back to the quote you were saying earlier, it's about self-preservation. And so I, when I do look at loneliness now, I think it's more, I see myself as being more stable with being able to be alone. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely real. And I feel like um, I talk about this in, like, another episode but how like my own personal journey with like learning how to be alone and how that plays a huge role in how I interact when I'm with other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's completely like changed the way I am even in my own like romantic relationship and in my friendships and with my family too. Once I had this opportunity to sit with myself and be at peace with it, which I feel like, you know, quarantine played a huge role in that for me. It literally forced me to be alone, um, yeah. which I very much, it was very difficult, but it was like very much needed too, you know? And I saw like the change in me shift with myself and also my relationship with others too. So yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. Yeah, and because um, I definitely think it can impact the relationships that you have um, with others. Uh, whether it can help to like make those relationships stronger sometimes yeah. or it can like help to make you stronger without those relationships like mm-hmm. you don't branch out and do new things some people don't branch out and do new things because they feel like they need like people around them in order to do it so you might not go to the movies by yourself or eat out alone and like you just kind of miss out on those great opportunities when you're just like waiting on people and feel like you can't do it alone when like you can't indulge in going out and grabbing like, you know, I don't know, some tequila at the bar or something. You don't have to go with people. You can do that on your own as well. And again, I think I attribute some of my thoughts with being alone to my older sister again, because I feel like she is like, I'm perfectly fine with being alone. I don't need to talk to nobody. I love myself. She's always been like that since we were kids. And she's just like, I love me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's been such a great learning process for me as well, like being around her and seeing how she moves with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think like, I I don't think I would ever be able to like do that even like a year or two ago, you know, like imagine myself like going just to go eat by myself or just to go sit at a restaurant or just even go see a movie by myself. And now it's like, 
I'd love to do that. Like, why did I not do this before? Like, I love hanging out with myself because then, like, I don't have to worry about, like, pleasing other people or, like, going along with what other people want with their plans. It's just, like, which I don't mind doing, too. But it's, like, something so special about just being, you know, just doing whatever you want. And just you don't have to consult anybody but yourself. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like, and I wonder why that is, though, sometimes, like, why we feel weird eating by ourselves or, you know, why we feel we're kind of going out and enjoying things alone. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think it's just because of, like, again, like, relating it back to society and, like, norms and stuff that we've seen. Like, I've seen, like, so many TV shows where, like, people go out to eat and, like, the other person, like, they're waiting on another person, but that person never shows up. And then the way, like, the waitress or the waiter will, like, be, like, uh, like, start to feel bad for the person or, you know, just, like, little indirect ways that I think we're just, like, taught through, to, through many different things, not just through the media, but that's, like, something that immediately comes to my mind is, like, I feel like that's why I personally, like, you know, felt that way for so long, too, is just how I was seeing being alone represented in the media mm. itself. Yeah the um, example you use of the waitress is a perfect example like I do think that almost played my mind sometimes where I'd be like I don't want to be that girl like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah and like what does if you have anything else to add what does it feel like to be at alone to be alone being alone feels rejuvenating um and normal I think if you feel abnormal then you should probably take a look in the mirror and do some self-assessing to see why being alone makes you feel so weird or off. But I think being alone can be rejuvenating. Because um, again, like you were saying, you don't have to try and please other people or take others under consideration. Like, And I myself am, um, what do they, they call people who kind of keep themselves um, introvert? I guess you could say, like I'm very introverted. And I don't find energy in socializing. I find energy in being by myself and reading some books, going to a coffee shop, sitting in the sun. Like, so I think being alone really gives me a chance to unplug from everything and everybody and just rejuvenate my soul. Yeah, definitely. And um, also, if you have anything to add on this, why is being alone so important to you? I think being alone helps you build more self-awareness. Um, I think of the saying, if, if a tree falls in the woods, but no one is around to hear it, did it really fall? And I think when you are constantly like around people sometimes, you can learn from yourself being around people and the interactions that you have with those individuals, but you don't always want to have to rely on people to tell you about yourself yourself, or to show you who you are. Um, like if you feel like you are happy with life and you are successful, but none of that matters unless it's being seen by people, um, then that is a problem. And I think that being alone and being able to just say to yourself how you feel about those things and how you feel about your life is really important. And um, Sometimes we don't always have a big, a big sister there or a best friend there to kind of check us and keep us in line. And I think that it also helps for when you are no longer alone and you are around people, it kind of helps you to navigate and treat people in a way that they, um, that they deserve to be treated in a respectful manner. 
because you're able to kind of check yourself as opposed to just kind of saying anything and talking out of pocket or acting in any peculiar ways. You just become more aware of yourself. So I think it's important because of that it kind of allows you to be more self-aware. Yeah, exactly. And I love how you like, I'm a big fan of like the circling back to like what we were talking about before and just like seeing how everything just like ties together, even everything we were just talking about today, just also interconnected, you know? So I really like how you just like kind of connected it back to what we were talking about before too, how it helps you build that self-awareness as a part of that muscle as well. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Trying yeah. to like, you know, keep it all cohesive that it makes sense because I really think it helps to connect a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and so now we're just gonna like finish up the episode. Um, so if you have any like advice or just examples of what like listeners who want to learn more about self-care or like hear examples of things that they can do for self-care, um, what are some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, of course. So um, I am a lister, so I made a list of some things that I find um, good for myself to help with self-care. Um, I know earlier I named some things that were more uh, geared toward like self-awareness. So I think some things you can do to help take care of yourself is still art. I think art is still uh, very good with helping uh, with self-care. Mm -hmm. um, you can always listen to music. That's always very relaxing. Give yourself a little spa day. Do a facial. Soak in the bath. Do nothing. Get you some wine, some bubbles. Call your best friend and talk and bullshit for some hours. Like, mm -hmm. just get you a nice little spa day in there. Exercising. Like, sometimes when I have so much on my mind, I would just like go for a walk, and it helps to clear my mind so much for some reason. Like. Being able to think and move as opposed to just sitting still and move, that really helps me with easing my anxiety. Um, and being in nature and, you know, getting sunlight, things like that is good for you as well. Uh, hair braiding is another form of self-care. Going on those nature walks, stand-up comedy. Like sometimes if I'm sad, I might look crazy because I will look up, you know, some Eddie Murphy Raw or some Dave Chappelle and be sitting there with my little tears but laughing at stuff until I'm not crying anymore. Um, so that's always a great way. Unplugging, do some yoga, watch motivational speeches, like, and write down some of those things, some of those quotes, like those things are very helpful. Um, maybe even make like an inspo quote calendar. So every day you have something to look at. Um, you can try and enhance your environment. And by that, I mean, change your sheets, wash your sheets, get some essential oils, get some plants to put around, like little things like that here and there that really helps to improve your self-aware and self-care as well. Um, a vision board, it's always nice to be able to visually see things that can um, help to enhance your, um, I think being able to see nice things sometimes can make you feel nice. So um, that with the vision board. And last but not least, get some rest. Please take your ass to sleep and get some rest. Yeah, because I think when you when you lose your rest, you become a cranky bitch, and it's just not good for anybody. So make sure you get some rest, and that is my list of things I can recommend for self care. Yeah, those are amazing things, by the way. I love all the things you mentioned. I love how there's such a broad range of things because, like, everyone is like you know different, and everyone has different ways of 
engaging in self-care and has different things that work for them. So thank you so much for just like giving a wide range of things. And I really liked the like vision board idea. I've never like done that myself. So I feel like I'm definitely gonna feel in some inspiration to go and go and do that um, after this. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing all that. Of course, that my best friend is the one who like would talk to me about vision boards. Like I had no idea about that, but I would. She would like come to school when we were in high school with cutouts and shit from like magazines that I'd be like, "Bitch, what are you doing with this?" <laughs> but like, Wait, I'm making a vision board. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, so if you have any like concluding thoughts or just like last things you want to mention. Um, anything you want the listeners to hear, I want to give you some space to do that now. Yeah, so um, I think I would just want to conclude this by encouraging people to to, um, be okay with themselves and who they are and being alone with themselves. Um, Really try and do some analyzing of yourself, like ask yourself certain questions and, you know, maybe if you get that journal and you start writing about your day, say this is what happened this is how it made me feel ask yourself why did this make me feel like this and really try and dig deeper and the more you become aware of yourself i really do believe that you'll be able to take better care of yourself and like make sure you sculpt out and map out a plan that fits your needs for self-care like not my needs for self-care not what you see on social media or what your parents tell you how you should take care of yourself really make sure you're able to um kind of mold it to yourself and that that would be um my last words i guess i would say yeah that was very lovely and very well put um and then the last thing is how can people find you if they want to reach out to you um i know you mentioned to me that you'd be open to sharing your instagram Um, so just like if people want to, and I'll put that in the episode notes too, but if people want to find you, how can they do that? Yeah. So, um, I, I I believe that my Instagram name is Tierra Underdash 95, but please, you know, double check that and correct that when you make me, when you post it, because I'm pretty sure it's Tierra Underdash 95, but just to be careful. Yeah, that's it. I um, okay. I looked it up and yep, that's exactly it. And I'll also include that in the episode notes as well. So people can look you up and follow you, you know, because you got some great content and we love to see it. So yeah. So thank you so much again for coming on here today. And I really appreciate your time and all your insight. And, you know, your friendship is like really valuable to me, but also like you taking time to like you know, make space in your day to like think about this and talk about this. I really appreciate you doing that. So thank you so much for coming on. And I'm definitely really excited to, you know, get this episode up and going and, and share it with people. Oh, this is sweet. I, I, I thank you so much for just letting me come on uh, to your platform. And, you know, I think this was also very insightful for me because you asked some good questions that also, you know, kind of made me have to dig deep. So, you know, when I do need my therapist I'm definitely going to be coming to you for some art therapy girl so but <laughs> thank you so much for this opportunity I definitely appreciate it. it was really it was really nice talking to you about this yes of course so that is it for today's episode thank you all for tuning in and staying present with us and listening with an open mind I really want to thank Tiara again for your insight and your 
presence in this episode. It was very much appreciated and I feel like she discussed um, and brought up a lot of things that were really relevant and very helpful. So thank you to Tierra. Um, really appreciate you being on. If you want to follow her Instagram, I have included that in the episode notes. Also, I have included a few resources that you can check out if you want to learn more about Audre Lorde's quote on self-care and how it is a part of feminism and also within the Black community. I have included a link to a resource which talks about that if you want to learn more about that. And you can also follow at Audre Lorde Project on Instagram. As always, I thank you for listening and staying tuned. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with the people in your life. I would also really appreciate if you would subscribe to Synergy Cast on whatever podcast platform you prefer, give it a five-star rating, and leave a good review mentioning what you like about the podcast. You can also follow the Instagram for updates, at SynergyCast, and I have also included that in the episode notes. I have now a new feature, which is a voice memo feature, which I am very excited about. So if you would like to send in your thoughts and your feelings or your personal experiences, feel free to record a voice memo and send it my way. I would love to include your voice in the next podcast episodes. Lastly, if you are willing and able, there is another new feature where you can donate however much money you want to help support Synergy Cast financially. If you do choose to donate, the money would help me pay for several things. It would help me pay for myself, my own energies, my own efforts, and also the money would help pay my future guests especially people of color for their time since i believe it is very important to compensate people of color especially for their time and energy since many bipoc which stands for black indigenous and people of color have a history of being taken advantage of and underpaid or not paid at all for their efforts so any and all ways you choose to support would be very much appreciated Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Stay safe, everyone, and take care.